Welcome to the Next Greatest Thing podcast, powered by the Arkansas Valley Electric Cooperative Corporation. This podcast is a place where we come together with electric experts and dedicated operators to discuss current co-op events, leading edge technologies, and communicate with AVECC members. We are Arkansas Valley Electric, changing the communities we serve. Hi listeners, Barbara Jenkins here. This episode, Behind the Scenes of an Outage, is jam-packed with valuable and interesting information. The original interview with our panel lasted over 45 minutes. So to best serve our listeners, we chose to split this episode into two parts over the next two weeks. Please enjoy part one and tune in next week for part two. Hello, 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 and welcome to another episode of The Next Greatest Thing, a podcast brought to you by Arkansas Valley Electric. In this episode, we'll be going behind the scenes of storm restoration with a panel of three cooperative experts, all three of which have spent countless hours restoring power to Arkansas Valley Electric members. From ice storms to tornadoes to anything in between, there isn't much that our panel has not seen. So without further ado, let's get to know these three panelists. We've all been introduced to uh, John Yates, so let's go once again. John, um, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? and um, what your position here is at Arkansas Valley Electric? Yeah, I've worked at Arkansas Valley Electric for about five years, and I'm the control center coordinator. Which is? I'm over the dispatch part. Okay. And Mr. Chris Howe? Yeah, so I've been here since 2008, um, and I'm the manager of engineering. And Don Esom. Uh, I've worked at Arkansas Valley for 35 years. Uh, this is actually my uh, 35th year here, and I'm the manager of operations. 35 years is obviously a long time. Can you maybe explain what year one looked like and, and kind of where all you've worked throughout the cooperative? Uh, in year one, I started on the right-of-way crew, and then I uh, moved up into a construction crew as an apprentice lineman and Worked on that crew. Uh, I spent the entirety, uh, when I left that crew, I was had actually been promoted to the foreman, and I spent 26 years on that crew totally. You see, Then I moved into the uh, substation uh, supervisor's job and uh, worked that for five years. And then I've uh, moved into the right-of-way uh, superintendent's position and then into the operations manager's job. You've seen a lot. Yes, true. Quite so, a bit. true or false? I'm just going to ask you: Who's the longest tenured employee here, Don? Uh, right now, that would be me. That is you. Yes, did a little research before we got in here. And Chris, I want to come back to you for a second. Maybe explain to us because you've held several positions here since 2008. Yeah. Yeah. So I started off as an engineering intern. Um, did that for a few years and uh, worked in the engineering department until 2016, uh, to where I went up to the Van Buren office and was the manager of the office up there before coming back here in late 2017. And obviously storm moments, the three of you know, are stress stressful situations, and you are the father of, of four kiddos, three of which are triplets, so you know all about stress. That's uh, that the truth. Yeah. Um, so just a little background when, when we get into this and in, in a storm situation, the we, reason we have these three folks in here is because they're, 
they're the ones that are, are getting people's power back on in all in different ways, but they all work closely together um, when we have outages, whether they be small or major. Today we're going to talk a lot about what happens when we have a major storm. And let's just start from the beginning. So when a storm's forecasted, can you talk a little bit? I'll start with, with Don on this one. When does Arkansas Valley Electric begin to anticipate outages and let's answer that one first so i know we get information from statewide at what point do we see that a storm's going to be bad enough we better start getting together and talking about it well like you said statewide sends us notifications uh usually two days ahead of the storm and they have uh they updated each day for their prediction level from one being the least to a five being uh, the most damage. And as they update those, we start putting together a plan. Uh, when, uh, when the storm level uh, approaches the, the uh, stage three level, that is where we are going to have uh, extended outages at that time, and we know it. So we start putting together a list of personnel to get started. And that kind of leads us right into the to the first stage of it, and I think we've all been involved in in the pre-storm prep meeting. So I'm going to start with you, John, and and kind of let's talk about what that meeting consists of, and then what exactly it means for the folks in the control center. So we just go through what everybody's job's going to be if this storm actually hits, and uh, control center wise, it's just making sure I have enough coverage. Uh, that I have enough people in there to log outages off and direct the linemen on where to go. And uh, usually beforehand, me and the construction superintendent for Ozark will sit down and make a crew list uh, so we know who to pair up with who to make it easier, and it flows a lot better during a major storm. And that construction superintendent here is? Steve Griffin. Oh, slick. Oh, slick. Um, let's go to you, Don. When we're in that in that round table what is that storm prep what starts going through your head about what you need to start thinking about well depending on the severity of the storm uh we've got to have uh crews in place that can change uh broke poles uh, when our guys find them uh as in just a moderate storm we usually have all of our uh all of our crews split up into troubleshooting crews and uh as the depending on the severity of the storm uh we have had a as many as 60 broke poles in one storm uh and we we have to put a plan together to and that's working with chris uh with contractors to have some uh construction crews on standby uh when our guys start finding uh, broke poles and back to you john i meant to follow up with this you say your folks how many dispatchers do we have here at the control center at arkansas valley we have four not including me so there's a chance in a big storm, all five of y'all might be here at the same time, or do you try to? I, I try to divvy it up where not all of our eggs are in one basket. Yeah. All right, Chris, um, what's going through your mind during this meeting? Yeah, like Don mentioned, uh, as an engineering group, we we take care of all getting the contractors here if we need it for a major storm. Um, we also work on uh, getting our stakers and substation techs in line. Um, they out, they go out and do a bunch of assessments um, ahead of, of the crews that's going out there. They will figure out what's broke, what's damaged, and um, kind of have a game plan going into it. 
I'm gonna answer, I'm gonna ask this question. We'll we'll go the opposite way. In general, when when we're talking about storms, what is your biggest concern um, for you and your folks in the engineering department? When you what's the biggest concern when you hear the word storm? Just having enough people to actually handle it is the biggest thing, and staying safe and doing it. Um, safety is a huge concern. You start bringing this many people in, um, kind of starts muddy in the water a little bit, makes it difficult. Don? Uh, same thing. Uh, safety is definitely when you have a lot of people grouped up in small areas, uh, that is an issue that we have to uh, watch out for. Also, during an extended period of outage, uh, for this storm may take two or three days, we've got to be able to rotate our crews where people can get a little bit of rest each day uh, where they're not timed out and we have people taking care of outages around the clock. You mentioned a two or three day outage. What's the longest outage that you've seen here, Don? 30 days. And that was due to? An ice storm of 2000. 30 Heat days. Christmas day. We got the last. We got the last member back on 30 days later. Hit Christmas Day. Christmas Day. You weren't wanting that under the tree, were you, Don? No, I was not. <laughs> I don't even like ice in my tea anymore. <laughs> I bet that would do that. It will. John, what's what's your biggest concern? I would say safety like the rest of them, and also uh, just having enough coverage and information retention. Been here five years. Have you seen things – in the dispatch, in the control center that have made us more efficient? Yes. That's uh, good. Yeah. Don, what about you? What cha- I'm sure you've seen many changes to, to protocol when it comes to storm assessment over 35 years. Right. When I first went to work here, our outages was written on a, a piece of paper, handwritten on, a, on an outage ticket, and was kept in stacks on a on an old wooden table with a paperweight laying on them and we we routed them in different areas and stacked up all the outages so when we handed them to a crew uh their maps were paper maps that was kept in the truck those had to be updated ever so often or the or some of the houses wouldn't even be on the maps uh there were no 911 addresses so we followed our uh paper truck maps was the way and landmarks uh from previous employees so uh yes the technology and being able to actually check a meter and see if it's has voltage or not when people call uh that there's so much progress been made in the way our job is done and and makes us so much more efficient you and i were talking a month or two ago when we were over at the pole top rescue and i was blown away that we haven't had bucket trucks for that long really if you think about it and that was that was something i'm sure has made made us way more efficient oh yes um chris you've seen a lot too how has technology or innovation helped the engineering department yeah just like don mentioned uh, you know we used to you didn't have a way to look this stuff up but now we got the ipads we can access um being able to find this stuff tell what phases things are on um and then even from the engineering side, we actually got some software now that allows us to do predictions um, so we can kind of narrow these windows down when uh, something goes off and kind of help give some guidance on maybe where this stuff will be. We've talked about the initial meeting. 
let's talk about when the storm hits and and how do we begin to assess the damages and make plans i'm i'm not sure really where we want to go with this so i'll just start with with john what happens when the storm blows through for for john and his folks and, and it actually is a a level three four or five storm so most of the time you'll have a few scattered outages uh before the actual storm hits so you're going to have a few crews just out fixing that uh when the storm actually hits and it's bad we end up calling them back in and uh sending out bird dogs to go look at stuff to where we can get an assessment of what actually happened and how bad it is and as far as my folks you know they're getting everything logged off on the computer so we know where the outages are and an approximate number of people out is it fair to say the control center kind of picks up the the red phone and and makes that call that says this is a bad one let's start yeah. implementing the plan yeah what's the very first thing that happens so you mentioned bird dogging so you know that it's a bad storm now who are those bird dogs chris <laughs> yeah so uh, a lot of those guys are going to be our stakers and uh, substation techs those guys go out and, and or the boots on the ground kind of going out in front finding some of that stuff Don, what what does it mean for you when we know that it's a bad one? Well, the, when we know it is a bad one, we can start planning on. Uh, normally, if we just have a like a level two storm come through, uh, and we have twenty five hundred to three thousand outages, uh, we will get those all back on in a in a less than a twenty four hour period. But when we get up there and it's a level three, uh, we know we're going to have broke poles. So we know it's going to be a two- or three-day event. And uh, that's when we when we can find where the poles are broke. So those can be marked on a map, and we can get a list. So when we start sending the crews out there, uh, they're going to know what to expect when they get there and what they have to fix. The three of y'all can all answer this, and we'll, we'll start with Don. When do you feel really comfortable in a, in a time frame that – we have a good grasp on what what's down and what's out and where it is, and we can actually formulate a plan because we have a lot of information, and you feel good about really knowing what's happened. If the storm hits, most generally, uh, storms usually hit late of the evening for some reason. Uh, you know, when we're, when we're four or five hours into this storm, we are going to know how long it's going to last pretty close. Uh, and then... Uh, for sure, if a storm hits uh, late in the evening, uh, we'll have everything put together for at daylight there will be construction crews actually starting to set poles. Let's go back to the bird dog conversation and, and Chris's staking engineers out there looking for damage. How, do, how does that work in the office? When, when they find the information, who and how do they get that back? to the control center so they're using the storm assessment form on one of the programs we have on the ipad and we can pull up a map in the control center and basically click where they put a dot and know exactly what happened there and and what we're going to need to get that fixed Mm -hmm. don do you want to talk maybe a little bit john touched on the ipads how that's changed the game good or bad for your folks in the field and, and what that technology means to to you and your folks Oh, the iPads are awesome. Uh, with that storm assessment app, I mean, the the stakers, uh, the subtext, 
people that's out there riding out the lines uh, while we're working on other stuff, they can they can make the notations uh, that we have. You know, three, four, five broke poles. They can list the uh, what type of pole it is, and that is sent back, and we have a permanent record of that. So we can pull the information off that, and that we can have the material laid out with the poles ready when the construction crew can head right to the location. Those iPads also, I mean, when they put in that location number, it'll take them right to it uh, without having to worry about county road signs or just directions from somebody else. Can we talk a little bit, and John and Don, about once it once it's on the iPad, how we see it in the office in Catalyst? Yeah, so we're Catalyst, uh, we're looking at a map of our area and inside that map there are you know obviously our lines overlaid on top of it and so when they when they log that off on their ipad of where that broke pole or where that tree's down you know it'll it'll put some symbology on that map to where they know right where to go we can also use a a program called indigo and we can pull lists uh so if we want to pull all the broke poles or all the trees on the line we can just print it out right there is it helpful don to in a lot of the areas that we have, we know exactly what's on that pole or what kind of line is on the pole. And does that help your folks know now, maybe where it didn't in the in the past, that I feel confident that this is what's broke on this pole. Let's go ahead and send that out. Is that correct? That is 100% correct. Uh, it It is so much, if you're prepared for what's broke, I mean, if you know before you go out there uh, what's on the pole, what type of wire it is, uh, you know what to take, and there's there's not getting out there and not having the right stuff. Chris, do do your folks? Um, they're the first ones on the ground, and, and they're putting the information into the iPad. Do you think that that's that technology's helped help that process out with with them? Oh yeah, by far. Used to they they would call back in and say, "Hey, we got a broke pole." But, you know, a lot of times they didn't have signal. Um, you know, this they can they can get it put in as soon as they're within any kind of a cell phone signal. Uh, pick up and uh, they can also start providing pictures as well um, of the damage as well so it kind of gives the guys an idea of what they're looking at before they get out there i'm going to go off script yeah. and producer barbara jenkins hates when i do this but i want to i want to do it with you chris oh can you talk a little bit about um the ea model mm-hmm. and and how that's helped um in predicting outages and maybe even SCADA a little bit yeah so um the EA model is uh, we've got all of our system brought into it um, from the mapping side. Engineering analysis yes. model, I'm sorry. Right. Yep. And uh, it's put into the, to the software. Um, as part of that, we we do a fault analysis on it. Um, and the SCADA comes into play with that because we have monitoring software and systems inside the substations. Um, as soon as we get that information back, we can plug that into that software in the EA model. And um, it would actually run those predictions and, and kind of give you, like I said, we can with a little bit of tolerance and, and things like that, it'll give you pretty close to, to where it's going to be at. And, uh, and we've had several instances where it gets them all the way down to the pole. Um, I'm not going to say every time it does that. The further out we get, the, the less accurate it gets. But um, it's been a really good tool across the board for everybody. Well, I'm going to go off script again, Don. Okay. Over 35 years, is it crazy to look back at how you worked on when you started on right away compared to now how you're involved in at the very top level and, and seeing how much 
different it is and how much it's changed over that time? Yeah, I don't I don't think if, uh, somebody would ask me 10 years ago uh if if what what it was going to be like today, I would have I would never been able to say it. The last 10 years we've had leaps and bounds uh of technology and how it's affected the way we do our job and how it's it's made it easier and faster and safer to to get all our, all of our members power back on after a after a bad storm. I think that's what's awesome and coming from someone that's never put up line and I really appreciate how everyone here is involved in what your people do but to be able to progress that much and do it in a safe manner speaks volumes to how good our folks are. Right. They they do an awesome job. 35 years ago I I think we had around 41,000 uh members and uh 35 years later, we're taking care of those members with about the same personnel yep. uh, and a lot more technology. Yep. So we went from 41 to 60 in your tenure, 60 meters, 60,000 meters. Yes, sir. Yep. Awesome. So let's – so we've talked about who hits the ground first and kind of what all that means. How important – are those first few hours of forecasting that damage, John? I'd say very important. Uh, that way we know where our guys need to concentrate at to get the most members on, you know, the quickest amount of time. And also how many we need to call in or if we need to get contractors. I mean, it dictates everything. I don't know who would be better to answer this, but what goes into making the decision to call those contractors? Yeah, so that one's kind of – we get with operations guys and kind of see how many poles are actually broke, what's damaged, and uh, just kind of do an assessment across the board if it's more than what our guys are going to be able to handle in a in a reasonable time frame. And, uh, so a lot of thought processes go into that. Uh, a lot of time goes into it too, and trying to figure out how many crews we really need. How many crew? How many contract crews? So we use contract crews in daily work all the time. Are those on standby at all at all times? Yes. Uh, they're pretty easy to get into contact with and say, hey, willing to help out. Yeah, that is correct. Um, they're usually about four hours away because on the weekends they'll go home. Um, but during the week they're usually somewhere in the hotels. And those, what do those contract crews look like? Is that just operations or do we get other help? Uh, so there's kind of some, some multiple avenues with that. I know Don's got some right-of-way crews on the contract side. Um, we've also got the the guys, the construction crews that actually come in, put everything back up, and then um, have an overview of them. Don, how important are those first few hours? They're, that is, that's the most crucial part of the storm uh, because it, it determines, uh, I mean, we, we determine real quick if it's going to be something that we're going to knock out in a 24-hour period or if we're going to be looking for an extended uh, extended time and we'll know how to break our crews up and how to space them uh, out. What what makes your uh, your co- toes curl when they call back with information? Broke poles, down lines, what's the worst that... Broke poles. Because broke poles can stop a... I mean, that can cause a, a serious... I mean, that... You know, when you, you takes a five-man crew to go out and work on, you know, change out a broke pole. And if you have... If you have a, Five broke poles in, on on a on a main three phase feeder. Uh, it's gonna, I mean, it's gonna affect that timeline of getting that feeder back on by a long time. And I know every pole is going to be different, but 
what's an average when you hear a, a broke pole on a big three phase line like that? Are we talking an hour to fix? Uh, a broke uh, straight line three phase pole, you're looking at two hours. So if you have five, that's a ten hour day. It, very very easily. I can see why that would not be good news. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you for listening to The Next Greatest Thing, powered by the Arkansas Valley Electric Cooperative Corporation. Make sure to like us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram and Twitter at MyEnergyAVECC. Visit our website at www.AVECC.com. We hope to see you down the line.